Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy, and eat. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To praise you is the desire of man, a little piece of your creation. You stir man to take pleasure in praising you because you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it rests in you. These are the words of St. Augustine in his famous book, Confessions. He begins with this by saying that our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. This is how he chooses to begin the story of his life, because he knows it to be true. His world is not so different than ours, for like he, we live in a restless world. We live in a restless world, striving after rest, but not obtaining it. We live in a restless world in which our desires, heartfelt yet disordered, are our governing authority. We live in a world of disordered desires which causes us to be restless because they do not rest in Him. We seek rest in ourselves. We seek rest in ourselves. We try to justify ourselves. We try to recreate ourselves. We try to save ourselves. We look to the self for our ultimate rest and leads to restlessness. Our world promises rest. It promises rest, contentment, satisfaction, in every product on television or on an app, in every possible relationship that you might strive for, in every longing and desire which is good yet disordered, it seeks to place ultimate rest and satisfaction. Even ideologies are seen as something which can give us true rest. If I just think rightly about Something, whether political or social, I will have rest. We will have rest. If I buy this product, I will finally be at ease and may rest. If I get married or have a child or grandchildren, I will finally be at rest. But our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Him who is our rest. We live in a world in which the highest priority is to satisfy our individual longings and desires. We live in the Freudian world. 
Freud was totally wrong, yet so right. He created a world in which the only governing authority is our deepest disordered longings. This is a lie. The lie that to worship creature rather than creator will give rest is a lie from the devil. We live in an upside-down world. We gaze at our own navels and thus see the world upside-down. We see the world upside-down because we have exchanged the truth of God for a lie. Though we see God in nature and through Scripture, we choose to let ourselves govern ourselves. We choose the lie rather than the truth, and it turns our world upside down. We deceive ourselves. We think that the worship of creature will ultimately bring us true happiness. Whether that creature is a person or an animal or an ideology or a product, we worship these things thinking that they will give us rest in a restless world. But in believing this lie, our thinking becomes futile. It becomes empty. It becomes darkened. Our hearts become darkened to the truth that God is our creator. He is our redeemer. He is our rest. And in this upside-down world, up looks like down, and down looks like up. And what ultimately will bring us further and further down to the depths of hell, trusting in our own selves, we think will bring us up and up and up until we finally reach that blessed happiness which we all seek for. We live in an upside-down world. The promised fulfillment that this world offers ultimately leaves us empty. And Paul makes this spiral of this upside-down world painfully obvious for us in chapter 1 of Romans. He realizes that we search for rest where there is no rest. We search for quenching where there is no quenching. We search for happiness in which will only bring us to despair. What promises life ultimately brings death. And we live in a culture of death. We live in a culture which approves of those things which bring death sin, transgression, and calls them life. They look at sin and say, if you just sin more, you will ultimately find happiness. You will find fulfillment. You will find rest. Be true to yourself. Listen to your heart. The problem is, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? It has been darkened by our disordered affections. When you follow your heart, it deceives you and leads you further down to destruction. It, idolatry of self leads to darkness, 
depravity and finding yourself doing things that you never imagined that you would do. It leaves you empty, empty. The exchange of God for anything, anything in this world leads to futility and foolishness. Although we see that it's empty, we Christians, we see that this world is empty and it's promised to provide happiness, we go deeper. We go deeper, leading others to death in approving of their upside-down practices. This is the way of the world. This is the way of the flesh. This is the way of the devil. We were made for something beyond ourselves. We were made for something beyond ourselves. But sin causes us to look inward. If you remember in the garden, at that moment of transgression, what happens? Do they look for God for forgiveness? No, they look to themselves and provide coverings for themselves. They realize something is desperately wrong, but instead of looking to their creator and redeemer, we look to ourselves to justify ourselves, to save ourselves, to give ourselves the rest which we have all been made for. Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 2, he says of the people of Israel that they have hewn out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns, which hold no water. See, any attempt at trying to provide the ultimate rest, which is only found in God, is a leaky bucket. It may satiate for a moment, but at the end, it is empty. It is a broken cistern. We are broken cisterns. We have forsaken our Creator, the fountain of living water, for things that will never quench, never satisfy, but only leave us empty, restless, and alone. We forsake our Redeemer, our salvation, for things that can never heal, but only leave us more hurt and make us more sick. And we see this clearly in the story of Israel. In Exodus 17, which we heard today, Israel forsakes their creator and redeemer by putting him to the test. They question whether he truly has their best interests in mind. They say in their heart, at the very end of our passage, is the Lord among us or not? They have seen the works of God. They have seen his marvelous works, which he brought them up out of the land of Egypt, out of a land of slavery, into the land which he promised to, his fa- to their father Abraham. Yet they question whether he is among them or not. At the first sign of discomfort, they turn in to themselves. They turn in to themselves and they seek their own personal satisfaction as their highest good. They they deem their physical thirst far outweighs God's provision. They want to use God 
rather than enjoy him. They see him as a means to an end rather than the end himself. They question rather than trust. Hebrews helps us understand this passage when it says that the people of Israel, the people of Israel did not benefit from God's salvation because they were not united by faith to those who believed. They were not united by faith with the ones who believed. At the core of their problem is disbelief. Could God really give us what we truly desire? Could God really provide what we ultimately need? They exchanged the truth of God's salvation for the lie of self-gratification. They choose to exchange their Savior, the fountain of living water, for a quick quench, a glass of water in exchange for their soul. They thought they could do better. They question God and his provision and think it would have been better for us to stay in Egypt. At least there we had water. They thought that they could work their way into the promised land. They thought that they could save themselves better than God. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 10 says this, that whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Salvation requires us to come to the end of ourselves. Salvation requires us to realize that there is no health in us. Salvation requires us to acknowledge we need saving. And in the face of the restlessness which we face in this life and in the life to come, Jesus Christ is our rest. Jesus Christ is your rest. For our hearts are restless until they rest in Him. He is our creator. He is our redeemer. He saves us from ourselves. He sees us for who we truly are. And we see this so beautifully in the story of the Samaritan woman in which Jesus is thirsty. Jesus is thirsty and he stops off in Sychar at the well of Jacob for a drink. And as he's there, at about noon, he comes in contact with a thirsty woman, with a woman with great need, yet she does not realize it yet. He comes to the woman and asks her for a drink, and she immediately says, what are you going to draw it with? What are you going to draw it with? Do you have some water that I don't know about? And Jesus responds, if you would have known who was before you, you would ask him and he would give you living water. And so focused on the moment, she responds in a way that many of us probably would, that would be nice. <laughs> give me this water so that I never have to come to the well 
and drink so that I never have to come to the well and draw for myself and for my husband. Give me this water so that all my earthly needs are met. Christ sees through this. Our Lord sees us for who we truly are. Our Lord sees the woman at the well and sees straight to the bottom. He sees her greatest need is himself. As the conversation goes along, her heart is open. All desires are known, and from him no secrets of hers are hid. He sees straight through the self-justifying and self-gratifying veil that she had put up and sees straight to her greatest need and offers to her. The invitation that Jesus extends the woman at the well is the same invitation that he extends us. Come. The simple word holds pregnant, it's pregnant with meaning. This simple word is a beacon, a beacon in a dark world, a beckoning of a father to a prodigal son of hope. Come. Christ sees you and invites you. Come. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, and I will give you living water. It will dwell inside of you and bubble up to where you never thirst again. See, at this well, the woman encounters him who is our rest. He is our ultimate goal. He is whom we have all been made to rest in, for our hearts are restless until they rest in him. And like her, we all have erred and strayed like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. It's clear from her life that she was a sinner. And as the collect of purity teaches us, we are the same. There are no secrets to God. He sees who we are. He sees straight to the bottom. And he says, come. We seek to quench ourselves. This world, our flesh, and the devil have tricked us into believing the lie that it is possible to quench our eternal thirst with temporal things. We seek to quench ourselves with broken cisterns, leaky buckets, which can maybe give us a little enjoyment, a little respite, but ultimately leaves us empty. It only drives us farther and farther away from our only satisfaction. Christ bids you come. He is our creator, and only he can recreate us. 
We need recreating, and only he can do it. He is our redeemer. Only he can save us. Jesus Christ is our Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus, God saves, he is for us. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And so Christ bids you, come. Come to the waters, everyone who thirsts. Buy, drink, eat without money. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and show ourselves glad in him with songs. For the Lord is a great God. It is he that has made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Come, worship, bow down before the Lord our maker. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. As in the day of temptation, when your fathers tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my works. Come. Come to him whose flesh is food indeed, and whose blood is drink indeed. Come to me, Christ says, and you shall never hunger. Believe, and you will never thirst. And so I invite you, come, enter into his rest while today is still called today. Harden not your hearts to God's goodness and mercy, which he has shown to all of us in his son, Jesus Christ, who took it upon himself to take our sins and die the death that we all deserved. And upon the cross, he proclaims, it is finished. His work is done. He is at rest. And our hearts are restless until they rest in him. Come to me here that your soul may live. Hear the word of the gospel which is proclaimed to us in word and sacrament and come, hear and believe so that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I grew up singing hymns and these hymns capture something so, so much deeper than words alone can express. When we set our heart to music, it seems that our deepest longings come out. And I grew up singing a song, Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thou, thy blood was shed for me. And that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. I come. 
So I invite you, brothers and sisters, to behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who has taken away the sin of the world, who has given his life for yours, who turns our world right side up, who orients us towards himself, who dies the death that we all deserve so that he might give us everlasting life. And so I hearken unto you, brothers and sisters, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts to God's goodness which he has shown to you and come. Just as I am poor, wretched, blind, sight, riches, healing of the mind, yes, all I need in thee to find. O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Let us pray. Most Heavenly Father, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Look upon us and our disordered desires and heartfelt affections and turn us right side up. Look with pity upon us. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, and give us life and life abundant. And Lord, as we travel through the wilderness of this land, strengthen us. Grant us faith to believe who you are and look forward to that blessed hope in which we might all drink from the river of life and have life more abundantly. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.